Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 368 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Shannon McNeese. Shannon lives in Tomball, Texas, and she is a hospice nurse. Welcome, Shannon. Hi. Thank you for having me. Great to talk mm-hmm. to you today. And you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, the short answer is that I found intermittent fasting through TikTok. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, kind of silly. I was just kind of scrolling and I found this lady. She was doing like hair and makeup tutorials. I know who she she was. Yeah, you do? Ashley was her name. Well, she talked about her neighbor friend that was in her 70s and how she had lost all this weight through intermittent fasting and she drank wine every night. And I was like, okay, well, sign me up. (laughs) I want to do this. Yep. The reason I remember that, I am not on TikTok And the reason I remember that is because within like a two-day period, at least two of my real-life friends were like, hey, somebody on, I saw a video of someone talking about your book on TikTok, and they shared the same thing with me. It was Ashley. Her last name started with an M. I can't remember it. But two different people shared it with me. And then that post went viral. And so because her TikTok post went viral, Fast Feast Repeat sales went up. Like It was like the number four book on Amazon of all books for like a day. (laughs) I, know. Wow. I was like, I wonder if the sales have gone up. And I looked and I'm like, wait a minute, what? It was crazy. So <laughs> that's that what happens crazy. when something goes viral. So you are the first person that I have talked to that found it through that viral. It was either late 29. No, it was after Fast Feast for Pete came out. So it was 
yes. some point, 2020, 2021. When was that? It was 2021 because I okay. started intermittent fasting December 2021. Okay. So anyway, so cool. I appreciate that that post went viral. She looked amazing. And so that, yes. there's no... No wonder that it did. So, all right. So you found that TikTok post and she talked about her neighbor. Yeah, she talked about her neighbor, 70-year-old neighbor that had lost all this weight, drinking wine every night. And I was like, okay, well, here I am. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. So I went down the rabbit hole. I read Fast Feast Repeat. I read the Obesity Code, Diabetes Code, Delay Don't Deny. I started listening to the IF stories, the right. IF podcast with Melanie. I just started like consuming all this information. And it made so much sense to me, you know, with my medical background in nursing, just how the pancreas works and, you know, insulin and storage and all those kinds of things. It just made so much sense. And I was like, okay, there really, I think is a lot to this. So since then I've done even more, you know, research and studying based on a lot of recommendations that you've made or people in the community have made reading like Atomic Habits right. and Fiber Fueled and Mindset and Hooked and the Dorito Effect. So it's really interesting, but at the same time, it kind of gets you a little bit fired up and upset. Just like, why is our food industry the way it is? Because it really is getting us sicker and sicker. Well, it is. I Somebody in the community shared yesterday now the Ozempic lawyer ads have started, right? The whole like, how, were you injured by Ozempic? Do you have stomach paralysis? Or I don't even know all this long list of things that might be happening as side effects. But we're caught in this cycle of they're giving us really bad food. And no wonder we're sick. Because once you start to understand how the body works, you realize, well, there's no other choice. If we're all eating ultra processed foods all the time, we're going to have metabolic dysfunction. There's no chance not to. And then they're going to sell us these drugs. And then the lawyers are going to come. I mean, it's just like, it feels like, do you remember that lady from the early 90s? Susan Powder was her name. And she was like, stop the insanity. I remember the name, but I she don't had think that I short ever... hair. She had short hair and she was like, stop the insanity. She was like one of the low fat diet gurus. That's why I remember it. Cause that's what I was doing at the time. But that's how I feel right now. Stop the insanity. And it, it is enough to make you really mad, especially probably as a nurse, a hospice nurse caring for people at end of life. Right. And just understanding that, especially those with dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff, all the decisions that probably brought them to that point. And then even watching in the hospital, the kind of foods that we're giving our diabetics and people that have Alzheimer's. I and mean, we're just feeding them sugar, sugar, sugar. Like diabetics are getting pancakes in the morning. Like why? Yeah. Oh, look what somebody why? in my family was just in the hospital and it was somebody with diabetes and I was there and you're right. The food was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Anyhow. <laughs> you see it as a nurse and then, you know, like uncontrollable blood sugars and having to get on like an insulin drip or something. And it was like, well, yes. obviously look what you're feeding him. Anyway, it really is. The more you go down the rabbit hole, really the matter you get. Yes. And I was pleased after I started intermittent fasting, I had been doing it for at least a year. I had a patient that was newly diabetic and the doctor in the discharge paperwork, wrote a paragraph in there, said, read, fast, feast, repeat. Oh. Read that obesity code and follow those to a T. So when I read that, I went to her and I was like, you do intermittent fasting? She's like, yes. And so we had this whole conversation about intermittent fasting and the benefits and all the things and how these diabetics are just, they're just getting worse, you know, with the information that they're given, and then they go down the road of kidney failure and dialysis. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. just on and on and on and on. Just hearing, you know, Megan and Dr. Fung talk about their patients. And it was just like diabetes, kidney failure, dialysis, they die. And it's just, they kept yeah. seeing them over and over. And they're like, we got to do something about this. Congestive heart failure. That's part of the same. Yes. All Con the stuff. All of that. And then it's just, yeah. And it's all just because the food industry has just let us down. You know, you can like somebody I know well going down this route with the illness and like, well, I tried keto. And then you look into like, what was it? Well, keto yogurt, keto snack bars, keto shakes. 
and the whole, well, that is not, but the marketing of these products has that health sheen, just like back in the low fat era, we had low fat, everything, but it wasn't healthy. I'm doing a much better job, even in the last six months, really reading the labels and, you know, understanding what is in the food. Even if I go buy yogurt, I just want to make sure that it's whole milk and that's it. Real yogurt. It's right. Hard. Not all the artificial ingredients in it and stuff like that. So yeah, anyway, really so tricky. it took so, well, me down I love, that I love hole. that the doctor recommended it. That really is very exciting that there are doctors out there who understand how to fix the underlying metabolic problems. And it's not with wacky stuff. It's with eating real food, not all the time, putting in some fasting, stopping the influx of the junk. So to go back a little bit further, so that's how I initially found out about you, but I had struggled with my weight since I was about a preteen. I wasn't obese, but I was overweight and my mom was very weight focused or conscious because my dad, bless his heart, we love him and he's good in many ways, but he was very focused on thin women are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in East Texas and beauty was paramount. Your character was kind of secondary, but beauty was paramount. And so beauty pageants were everywhere. I wanted to be, you know, Miss Texas, Miss USA, all those things. I oh, listen, that's- my first cousin was first runner up to Miss America. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that. She was Miss North Carolina. She was Miss Kinston. This is in like 74, 76, somewhere around there. I was young enough, maybe 74. I was young enough to be aware of the excitement. But Miss Kinston, Miss North Carolina, and first runner up to Miss America. So I That's get amazing. it. It's a real <laughs> Southern thing. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. So because my mom was very, you know, weight conscious and she was worried about me Then we were always kind of doing things together, I guess. And at one point in high school, I guess I was about 30 pounds, 35 pounds overweight. And that's when FinFin came out. My mom got FinFin and she was such a good mom. She shared that with me. (laughs) It felt like a miracle at the time, didn't it? It was a miracle. I lost all that weight and I got down to like 127. I'm 5'5". I got down to 127 in high school. And I was so thin at the time that when I stood up, my hip bones stuck out. Yeah. I was thin and I loved it. You know, being thin, I could go to the store and I could get whatever I wanted. Now I'm very curvy, very large busted. So it didn't always look like I was a toothpick because I was very busty, but I was very thin. And my dad, even after I lost all that weight, he would say, you know, you could lose like five or 10 more pounds just to have that buffer. I'm like, who needs to lose five or 10 more pounds when your bones are sticking out? You know, I mean, it just wasn't right. Yeah. So that was really hard. And then fast forward, I get married when I'm very young and we get pregnant. I gained 60 pounds with my first pregnancy. I was 20 years old. And then not very long after I had my oldest daughter, I divorced, moved back in with my parents and just started eating my way through my feelings just because I I felt like I had failed in so many ways. I started going back to school, got a degree, met my current husband while I was in school. And I had bloomed up to like 260 pounds at that point when I met him and my dad, you know, being, you know, the sweet talker that he is, he would say things like, you know, men don't like fat women. You're going to have to lose this weight or you're not going to be able to be married again if that's your goal. That is so hard to hear. And it's hard to think back on that. We all are like, oh my gosh, that was an awful thing. But giving grace to our parents and the crazy things they said and did, knowing he was coming from a place of love. Well, yeah. But it was not helpful at all. And so, you know, we need to stop those kind of comments going forward. No. (laughs) Right. And that's so hurtful. That that is awful. Does he? Yeah. I mean, even now, my sister's overweight. I've tried to get her to start intermittent fasting and she's played with it a little bit. But he says things like, well, I know y'all are fat because of me. (laughs) Dad. Just stop it. Yeah. Just stop it, saying the things. Dad, you're not making it better. Dad, no more. Right. Yeah. 
So anyway, I did meet my husband when I was at my heaviest. So he loved me for who I am and not and, because and I was I skinny. Love that because that's what we want. We want a partner who loves us no matter what and isn't expecting us to look any sort of way because things can change. You know, Chad met me at a certain weight and then I got a lot heavier <laughs> over the time. And that's a different kind of situation. Yeah, I don't know how that would have worked. I mean, knowing how my dad is, I think I would have beaten myself up probably well, more. Well, he did say some things to me over the years that were hurtful. And I know he wasn't trying to be hurtful, but, you know, those th- kind of comments do hurt. And so it's not easy. Really, everybody stop commenting on anybody else's weight. That's the right. school, school teacher <laughs> lesson. Somebody else knows how much they weigh. They do not need you to tell them or give them any advice about it. Zero. <laughs> That's right. really the, the boundary right there is everyone else's weight is completely off limits. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Well, and that's why I struggle when I'm around my friends or whatever, if, unless they have lost a significant amount of weight, like 50, 60 pounds that, I mean, it's quite obvious. I may not notice because I, that's not what I'm there for. I'm not there to see if you've gained weight or lost weight. I'm there to engage in community and, you know, loving on you and not how much you weigh. Cause right. I know I struggle and I don't want people to, you know, just focus on that about me either. So anyway, so he met me. I was heavy. He knew I struggled. He knew my issues with my dad's comments and stuff. So he was very kind, didn't say anything about my weight, just loved me the way I was. And he had never dated anybody that was heavy ever. So this was new for him too. (laughs) But I had kind of gotten really, you know, tired of being heavy and I struggled. I went up and down, up and down. I decided to have bariatric surgery and that was in 2001. So we married in 98. In 2001, I had that surgery. It was a vertical banded gastroplasty. They don't do that anymore from what I understand, but I lost 80 pounds. I was walking about four miles a day, five days a week. And I had that surgery. So together I lost 80 pounds. Wow. But I couldn't lose any more. So I went from like 260 to what? 180, I think. But I couldn't really lose any more, you know, with that. And I had, you know, you start out with like two ounces of food. That's what they tell you, like liquid, like liquid. And then you go to like applesauce consistency and you kind of build up. And they tell you that you really can stretch out your stomach again. And I can attest to that. Yeah. I think Um, think uh, we've heard that story from a lot of people who have been through it. It's, 
you really can't. I know I would have been able to, right? Because I like to have a lot of food in my stomach. So I would have been one of those people that would have stretched it right out or I've been drinking milkshakes or something. I don't know. I mean, it was a good tool at the time. I lost yep. 80 pounds. Never been back to 260 again, which was That's good. Which is nice. And in 2011, I actually had that surgery reversed because it was causing some issues with my, you know, the esophagus where it goes Mm -hmm. into the stomach. It had become Mm -hmm. all the scar tissue and stuff had built up. It was very hard to swallow. So it was causing issues. So I had that band taken out and had my esophagus stretched so that I could swallow easy because I didn't want to have, I was having a lot of acid reflux and I didn't want to get cancer because of all that. And so I was like, I need to just have this taken out. It's not doing me any good as far as weight loss anymore. And honestly, my health is going to deteriorate if I keep it in. So again, lots of weight plans. I I wrote down all the weight plans I've done. So of course, Weight Watchers is high on the list. I've done Nutrisystem, did the FinFin. I told you about that. Slim Fast, Keto, Whole30. The one in the most recent years after I had the surgery was the Quick Weight Loss Centers. And talk about all the prepackaged food. You have to buy their food. Yeah. Plus, then you have, you know, your nutritious meals. But man, that was expensive. But I lost 50 pounds and I was able to keep that off for quite some time. And at least what, what is their approach? Like, what is their plan that the quick weight loss centers is like little packaged chips and stuff and little bars? Chips and bars and shakes. And yeah. you get to choose. Yeah. 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 I and most of them were like not that. very good. It was a plan. Everybody was doing it. You know, teachers love to like do things all and all do them. Like whatever one teacher was doing, all the teachers started doing it. Like there was one called the Howard diet that was popular in Augusta. I think he was an Athens doctor and he had your little Howard diet center that went out of business after a couple of years, but he had these little packaged chips and bars and he would get a shot. His shot was like a lipotropic something or other, I don't know, burning the fat. Anyway, we would all go in after school and get our shot of whatever it was. And Lordy mercy, it was miserable. It was probably saline. Probably. I don't know. It was supposed to be some kind of fat burning shot. We were like, give it to me. We want the fat burning shot. I don't know. Well, and I did the Richard Simmons diet. Have you ever heard of that? Well, was it deal a meal? Was that one of his? I think so. Where you had like these little cards, different colors, and you'd have them on one side of your little handout thing. And then as you ate, you would move those cards to the other side. And when you ran out of cards, you stopped eating at the end of the day. I didn't do it. It's kind of like points, you know. But I'm aware of it. I really think it's called deal a meal. Maybe. (laughs) But it was Richard Simmons. He was like... It was a big deal. I love him, by the way. I, all of him, He was just a great guy. I saw some documentary about him on Netflix or something. He had a very interesting life. He's kind of like had a sad kind of a life, and but he brought joy to a lot of people. So I, I have a he soft did. spot in my heart for him. Yeah, I had all the VHS of sweating to the oldies mm-hmm. <laughs> with his little shorty shorts. Oh my yep. gosh. So anyway, but I did lose a lot of weight with that quick weight loss and was able to keep it off 40 pounds of it anyway for several years. My lowest weight as an adult with that plan was 142. And I felt very good because I could go into any store, you know, and just slip on a size six pair of pants and just, I wouldn't even have to try them on. I'd just buy them off the rack. And so I felt very good. And even when I went up to like 150, 155 is where I stayed most of the time for those several years. I could still do that, you know, just slip on the pants and go. And I just felt very confident and good. Went to nursing school. I graduated nursing school in December of 2017 and started nursing 2018 and did that for a couple of years before COVID hit. Oh yeah. Now in nursing school, I gained about 10 to 15 pounds So I was, you know, between 160, 165, but still my size sixes were a little tight. I was probably better in an eight, but I was still able to wear most of my clothes and still felt pretty good. But then COVID hit and all, and I was a COVID nurse for two and a half years and all the stress from that and all the food that people were delivering to us just to, you know, out of gratitude. As a thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. I mean, it was good. Don't right. get me wrong, but it was terrible. <laughs> no, I get uh, it because everyone was, I remember that time and you're right. We were all just so grateful for all of you 
everyone in healthcare, but especially the nurses that cared for the COVID patients because family members weren't allowed to come in. And it was really, really, it was a hard time. And so I'm glad that people were expressing their gratitude, but why does it always have to be with food we probably shouldn't be eating? <laughs> no, but there were cookies and donuts yep. galore, galore. And, you know, when you're stressed and you have like a history like mine where you do stress eat, I was trying not to, but it was just like at the end of the day, I was like, oh, that looks so good. And yep. I really deserve that because I worked so hard today and it was stressful. And I had this patient that died or this patient family and, you know, whatever the case was, it was very emotionally draining. And so that was my comfort. I can only imagine. And I went to it. Yeah. So in those years, I found myself back up to 205 and I was like, okay. We got to do something about this. This is ridiculous. So I found you in December 2021. I started right away and it took me a little while to do the black coffee, but I did the little trick with the salt. I know you don't like the salt, but I don't enjoy it. Yep. For anybody who's wondering, what is that trick? I've never done it. I mean, I tried it, but I had already adapted to black coffee by the time someone mentioned the trick. Did you just sprinkle a little salt in the grounds before you brewed it? Is that how you did it, Shannon? Actually, I just used my Keurig and then I put a little sea salt on top and mixed it Okay. In. The, yeah. the one that I tried, what well, people were suggesting is put a little salt in the grounds before you brew it. And to me, it just tasted like salty coffee and I didn't like it, but yeah. it can really help a lot of people adjust. If you're not adapted to the black coffee, if you are adapted to black coffee, you don't need to try the salt trick. Trust me there. But if you are trying to adapt, this can help your taste buds make that switch over to the black coffee. Salt does not break a fast because it's a mineral. So I'm glad that that helped you adapt. So when I found you, I told my husband, you know, I've been through all these weight loss things and bless his heart. He's been very supportive in all of them. He's just like, okay, well, how's it going? And you know, you're looking good. You know, he's always very encouraging. But I told him when I found this, I'm like, I'm gonna try it for six months. We'll see how it goes. Six months, which it's pretty surprising to me that I chose six months because normally I'd be like a couple weeks and I'm out, right? (laughs) Yeah. If I'm not seeing progress, I'm out. But I said six months. Well, six months turned into now almost two years. And that first year, I was really hoping, you know, a pound a week is not too much to ask, right? Right. (laughs) I was really hoping to lose all my weight. 50 pounds, because I really want to get back to like 150, 155. I mean, 150 is my ultimate goal, but 155, I'd be okay with. So I thought 52 pounds, I'd be one year, I'd be done, I'd be hit my goal. And that did not happen. <laughs> I lost 35 pounds in my first year, which That's is not still terrible. Amazing. And especially, you know, 52 pounds is a, you know, a pound a week that absolutely can happen. We've heard people who have lost an incredible amount that surprises me. But if you've got a complicated weight history like you do, your body's going to take longer. So I, everybody who's listening, especially this episode comes out mid-December. There are people who are probably starting to think about the new year and, you know, ready to get started. First of all, start today. Don't wait till the new year. Today's a great day. Tomorrow, wake up, have your black coffee. But anyhow, if you've got a really complicated weight struggle, it's going to be more complicated for your body just because it just is. Well, I did lose that 35 pounds, which I was happy about, but I've been stuck there for almost a year. And what so, is the weight that you're stuck at? I'm anywhere, it's almost like this maintenance range, which I, I hate to say that because I am not ready for maintenance. Right. Because honestly, I still don't feel really comfortable in my body, but I'm between 169 and 175. Okay. I just keep going right back and forth. This morning I was 173. I was like, oh. So it is frustrating because I will go down that 169. I'm like, okay, I'm in the next decade. So here we go. And then I'll pop back up. I'm looking back at what you said. That's actually where you you got down to like 180 after the bariatric surgery in 2001. And you got a little stuck there at 180. So it's kind of like your body is like, this is where we want to stick. But I know that's super frustrating. But then I also think, well, I was kind of stuck at 150 for a while. So come on, you can do it. I keep telling my body, come on, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I've been stuck for about a year. So I'm, you know, lost 35 pounds, which, you know, is nothing to sneeze at. It's a good amount of weight. And I am able to get into a lot of my size eights. 
It's more probably eight, 10, but I can get into some of my eights if they're a little stretchy. So that's yeah. fine. <laughs> they're still a size eight. So, you know, that's good. I did start working out in January of this year, thinking that maybe that would help move the weight a little bit if I was burning a little bit of it off or gaining muscle to burn fat. And, and you know, I am 53, so menopausal. And I did start my HRT between 2022 and 2023. So I thought maybe that would help. So I don't know. Nothing's really moved. And I knew that I needed to do strength training. There's a couple of reasons. One, because I need stronger muscles and bones as I get older so I don't fall and all those things. But also I have a trip planned for June of next year with a bunch of my nursing friends that are all younger than me. They're all in their 40s or turning 40. And we're going to go climb. I'm going to say this wrong. Machu Picchu. I think you said it right. Okay. So we're going to go climb Machu Picchu in June of next year. And it's a pretty moderate hike. You can't just like go and do it, they say. So you have to be prepared for it. And so I've been working out since January. I thought I'm going to give myself a year and a half to get strength and endurance so I can do this hike with these young (laughs) (laughs) 40-year-olds. You need to show them up. Show, right. show you'll be you'll be fifty four when you go. Show, or yes, yes. Show them up. Show them what fifty four can do. Right. That's right. That's right. So anyway, so that's part of the reason I was working out is to build strength and endurance. You know, for a lot of health reasons, but also I was hoping, well, maybe we'll move that little you know number down for weight. But it hadn't. Did, yeah. Have you gotten any smaller at all? I have not. Size? I've done okay. my measurements and the nothing same. is budging. Yeah. Your body is like super comfy right where you are. It sounds like I know that is such a bummer when your body has decided we like it here. And you're like, but I would like to be back into my sixes. <laughs> yes. Where I could just go anywhere and just slide something on. Uh-huh. That, that so- really is a good feeling. So tell us about your routine. Like what do you do? What did you start off doing? How has that evolved over time? Oh yeah. So I started out like a lot of people with the 16, eight, Because I figured, you know, I can skip breakfast. That would be pretty easy. And then I'd still have the eight hours of being able to eat. Well, and what I did in those eight hours initially, I was eating all the time. And I was eating just whatever I wanted. And it's so funny because, you know, I went to black coffee and I thought, well, I can hold off. I can delay and have my creamy coffee when I open my window. Well, that was not as satisfying after a while. I'd drink that coffee. I was like, this tastes like. Like, what did they do to all the (laughs) stuff they put in this? Because I wanted like a pumpkin spice latte. Right. Oh, you started tasting those weird chemicals in there. Oh, my gosh. It's terrible. It's so terrible. And I would try a different one and and then a different one. I was like, well, maybe it's just that one. No, they all. They must have changed it. No, you're the one who changed. It was me. It was me. So, yeah. So, I started out 16-8, quickly went to 18-6. And I did that for a while. And of course, I saw Roxy's whole, you know, mealless Mondays. I'm like, those people are crazy. Like, what? How in the world can you go a whole day? And I even asked one time, I'm like, so does this mean that you don't eat like the entire, like, like a whole day? Is that what you're saying? Like, you don't eat all day? (laughs) They're like, yeah, that's what they're Yeah. Or you can do the 500 calorie down day, but that still counts right. as mealless Monday. But <laughs> even yes. though you know, 500 calorie down day Monday doesn't have the same ring as mealless Monday. <laughs> right. So I've done several of those and I can see the my weight really go down when I do a down day like that. But, you know, when I have my up day and I'm not eating all day nowadays, whenever I have my open window, whether that's a six hour, five hour, I'm not eating the whole time. I I have like a snack and then I'll have a meal or I'll have two meals depending on how long my window is, but I don't snack the whole time. Yeah. Now, of course, on an up day, you're longer than that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not just to clarify. I knew you, you knew that just for the listeners on an up day, you got to have eight hours, eight to 12 is really what most people do on an up day. I think. 
And I really enjoy an update when I have a full down day because I really, I do love breakfast. We'll eat breakfast for dinner a lot, but I love making like avocado toast with a runny egg. And Yum. so I'll do that on my update. I'll have my breakfast, my lunch and my dinner, but it is challenging because you've trained your body so much. It's hard to eat like yeah. three good meals a day. It um, is. Yeah, I get it. It's a so, lot of food. Um, so you see your weight go down after a down day, but then it comes back up and kind of sticks in that same. Yeah, it goes up and down. It's very frustrating. I just wish it would stay down. So I almost want to do like several down days in a row, but I'm just, first of all, I don't have the discipline for that. And second of all, I know the research behind these longer fasts that you've talked about in your book and how that really reduces your metabolism and things like Over that. Time. So I, I don't want to go down that road. Yep. Yeah. We don't want to do a down day following a down day, but you always got to have that up in between because that's what keeps that metabolic boost going. So when you are having a daily eating window, you said you started at 16, eight, moved to 18, six, you've thrown in some down days and up days here and there. What is your normal average just eating window on an eating window day nowadays? I don't have a set one. I've kind of switched in the last few months to um, something that you've talked about quite a bit. And instead of having, you just like choose five hours that you're going to yeah. eat or choose three hours that you're going to eat, whatever that is. And so depending on how crazy my day is, it might be six hours. It could be two hours. Right. I mean, but it's switching. It's very fluid depending on how my day is. As a hospice nurse, I'm going from one home to another to another, traveling a lot in my car. I don't want to have, you know, gas station food. So oh, definitely if not. I don't bring food with me, then I usually don't eat until I get home. And then I'll open my window when I get home. So if I get home at five, I may eat. Well, I'll have a four hour window. But if I don't get home till seven, I only have a two hour window. So does that make sense? It and, and a lot of times I don't bring the food with me just because I'm just too busy to eat and I don't want to just eat in my car. That's not yeah. good for your digestion. So, and it's not satisfying just putting the food in and the car. It doesn't feel, you don't have that meal satisfaction of enjoying the food. I would say though, that my biggest windows are usually six hours on a regular basis on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. My windows are usually around six hours, but there's a lot of them that are short, like two hours. That sounds like so, a good a good bit of variability. I think that's a good, you're keeping it switched up. Have you ever had your fasting insulin tested? Yes. So these are some of my health benefits. So back in September of 2022, so just about a year ago, I've done some other tests prior to that in the very beginning, and I can't remember what those are and I couldn't find them. But Back in September of 2022, I was starting to figure out that I was menopausal, right? And so I had my A1C checked. It had gone up. It was 5.3. And I know that it was lower than that prior to September of 2022. So my A1C had gone up to 5.3, which is not bad. It's still, you know, not even pre-diabetic. And my fasting insulin was 7.5 which had really gone up because yeah. prior to that had been like around five and I was really disappointed. And it just really spoke to the hormonal changes that are going on in our body, right? That, yes. you know, if you're not getting this hormone therapy, then you can become insulin resistant. And I was on my way to becoming insulin resistant again. Yeah, like, same exact thing for me. And it yeah. shocked me because I had had prior blood work and then I got my blood work done and my A1C was up. My fasting insulin was up and it was all related to the hormones. And then after I got on the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, we re-ran those labs three months later and everything was back down. And like, I had no idea. I've said it before on the podcast. I had no idea. We just haven't been taught that your female hormones affect your blood sugar response and the way your body works. I had no idea. So yeah. So I started hormone replacement therapy after September of 2022. And in March of this year, 2023, I had those same things 
ran again. A1C was 4.9. Awesome. And my fasting insulin was 4.8. Fantastic. That is, yay, I'm giving you a little applause yay. right here. I don't know if y'all can hear that <laughs> on the microphone because that is the power of hormones. <laughs> yes. Well, and another thing too, I haven't talked about, but I've been hypothyroid since my mid thirties and have taken, you know, thyroid medicine for that. I've been able since doing intermittent fasting to reduce my dosage of thyroid medicine, just because it was just too much for my body. I was like, something is wrong. I just felt very jittery and all the things that go with hyper thyroidism. And so I went to my doctor and I said, I think that my thyroid medicine is too much right now. And he's like, yeah, I think so too. So we dropped it and I didn't have those symptoms anymore. And my thyroid numbers are in a good range, but I do have Hashimoto's also. I found that out several years ago before I started intermittent fasting. And that was like, oh, I felt like a nail in the coffin when they told me that. I'm like, really? Like, I'm never going to be thin <laughs> ever. So, yeah, anyway. that's a bummer because you understand the implications as a nurse. You have all these things going on behind the scenes. And I was like, you had the taste of the size six. You just want back to there. Right. So, in September, I had my antibodies checked also for the Hashimoto's. And my antibodies were 667, which sounds really high for me. I don't know what the normal is for people that have Hashimoto's, but that seems very really high. So I had them checked again. My antibodies checked again in March when I had all my other lab work done and they were down to 465. So they're oh, still good. high, but much lower than they had been. And so I was telling my doctor, I said, maybe I can beat Hashimoto's. And she just looked at me like, no, baby. No. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But you actually brought it down a great deal. So that is amazing. Now, have you ever looked into, nobody wants to hear this, I'm sure, the whole gluten Hashimoto's connection. I'm not a Hashimoto's expert, but have you looked at that? I know. I, I keep know, like, hearing that. that. Sorry, I want like, to do like, it. Wah, wah. <laughs> and I don't, look, I'm not a Hashimoto's expert, but I just know that that is something that you hear a lot in something about the Hashimoto's and it's autoimmune, your body's producing these antibodies, you know, yours went from 667 to 465, but it might have a relation to your body not doing well of gluten. And I honestly think that a lot of it, you know, you talked at the beginning about all the things you've been reading. I remember when I first started realizing that the food in Europe is not the same as the food in America and watching Michael Pollan and Cooked was his four-part special on Netflix from years ago when he talked about gluten and American gluten being different from European gluten. I think it might also be the chemicals that oh, are yeah. And instead of it's, you know, we're blaming the gluten because these chemicals are always there, but it's the glyphosate, you know, Roundup, all that stuff that really might be the problem. But by eliminating the gluten, you get rid of some of that. Well, and I've been trying to do more. I did the Zoe over a year ago. And what I found interesting with that was a little frustrating to me because my results came back and I'm kind of middle of the road for carbs and fat. And I was really hoping it would show me one or the other. Yeah. Like, okay, I can eliminate that, but stay with this. And no, I was like middle of the road for both. I was like, <laughs> okay, another, but yeah. it did tell me all the foods that were really good for my body. You know, they give you the scores and things like that. And I put it all in a spreadsheet for myself and you know, I look at that from time to time to figure out, okay, maybe I should be eating more like avocado or maybe more like almonds or eat. I know those are fats, but I'm just saying, right. You know, I'm looking at my list to try to figure out what I should be eating. And like, maybe I'd strayed a little bit from that, but I haven't looked in the gluten-free. I probably should. Yeah. I hate to give that advice because I don't want to be gluten-free. I do would never want to be gluten-free, but I know that so many people in the Hashimoto's world that are experts, I am not a Hashimoto's expert, but I know a lot of people who are really do suggest that you at least give it a try and see what happens. Because if gluten is causing a problem in your body and it could be inflammatory for you because of the Hashimoto's or connected, however it's connected, I can't tell you the science of what that might be, but it could be a game changer as annoying as that sounds. Well, I've been trying to eat more organic whole right. foods for quite some time since I did Zoe. 
And I thought, well, maybe that would get rid of some of the chemicals that were causing issues with the gluten, but I don't know. Maybe, do you remember maybe I do when have to go down that road? The old, you listened to some of the intermittent fasting podcasts that I did with Melanie from way mm-hmm. back in the day. We were sponsored by a company called Prep Dish. Do you remember that? No, no. There was a company called Prep Dish and everything was completely gluten-free. I can't remember exactly, but like you got these menus and I am not affiliated with Prep Dish anymore, but you got these menus to try. I don't even know if they're still around, but it would give you like shopping lists and one day a week you would prep and they had different plans and one of them was a gluten-free plan, but the gluten-free meals actually were not like weird meals. It wasn't like now you're having gluten-free brownies and you're having gluten-free replacements. It was like made from ingredients like potatoes and things that were not gluten containing, but you wouldn't know. Like you could feed that to yourself, your family and follow it and not feel like you were following some weird restrictive diet. It was just real food that is naturally free of gluten. That's what I need because I really do enjoy the natural whole food plans now. I did whole 30 way back in the day, but that was before I think my gut was ready yeah. Because, you know, I've done so much that I think my gut health is much better than it ever was before. And now I'm enjoying those foods that I hated back then, like spaghetti squash. Ugh. But now I'm just like, oh, yeah, give me some squash. That it's really good. Is. Yeah. When you yeah. you think of it as like instead of like pasta replacement, that sounds sad. But spaghetti squash is delicious if you just think about it like that. It's, it's all about shifting the thinking, enjoying it for what it is, not for what it's trying to be. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So I probably need to do some more research on gluten, but... I would try it. It's something to try. I remember back when, I don't know which one it was, Grain Brain or whatever, one of those gluten will make everyone die books that came out back in the day before I did intermittent fasting. I'm like, I can do the wheat belly. That was the one. I have a wheat belly. That's my problem. I'll just eliminate the wheat. And so I went gluten free one year and just for, I didn't do it for, for a year, but it was like, I did it for like probably two weeks, but I was of course buying all the gluten free replacement products. So instead of like, and I was eating things I wouldn't normally have eaten like, Oh look, gluten free brownie mix. I'm going to have brownies. Of course I didn't lose any weight. That was not my problem, but That's not how I would do it now if I were you. I would look for more like the recipes of real food like you already love and enjoy. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'll have to see. Because maybe I'm making it out to be a bigger problem than it is. Maybe most of the foods I eat now are gluten-free and I just don't even know it. Probably so. Go ahead. I mean, gluten is mostly in processed foods for sure, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then, which I don't really eat a lot of processed foods anymore. And they're in... Wheat, right? American wheat. Yep. Okay. So I do eat wheat. Well, it's in all wheat. Like when I say American wheat, like it's also in European wheat. But I just remember from watching Cook, the episode where they talked about bread, that people who need to be gluten-free in America can go to Europe and eat their bread with no problem. And the bread in Europe is not gluten-free, but there's something different about it. So that's where the chemicals come in. But yeah, I think you could probably be gluten-free and not even feel the least bit like you're, you're missing anything. I don't want to be deprived. No, I refuse to be deprived. <laughs> <I get it. laughs> oh, 
you know, I was telling you that I didn't really like the creamy coffees and stuff. Well, I was getting to the point where and I love ice cream. I just like the idea of ice cream, you know, just sitting there and the coolness of it and the creaminess of it. And nowadays I can't even eat ice cream without getting like a little bit of a tummy ache. So what I've done, you know, with my whole better food, whole food eating now, I have gone to yogurt that is just whole milk without any additives and things like that. And just adding in my fresh fruit. And I found this grain-free granola that is amazing. I think it's called Wild Bird or Wild something. I don't know. But it's really delicious. And they have lots of different... It's um, got to be gluten-free, I bet. I don't know. But it has coconut oil in it Yum. instead of these terrible other oils that are out there and everything. But that is my like treat at night if I'm going to have a treat is the yogurt, the fresh fruit and the granola and a little bit of honey on top. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. And my tummy doesn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. So, And it's that's, still that's a little a bit tip. of the coolness. So it's still cool, but delicious. I love it. And probably a whole lot more satisfying than ice cream. Yeah. In the end, yes. I think so. You mentioned you're working out, you're building the muscle, and that's really important as we age, especially going through menopause. And I bet you'll see, you know, you'll see that muscle building. You'll be able to really keep up with those young girls. And hopefully so. you'll find the tweak that gives you that just a little bit more boost <laughs> for the weight loss that you're hoping for. But what if you never lost another pound? Would you stop doing intermittent fasting? No, I wouldn't actually. I really enjoy it. And because of all the things that I've read and I understand about, you know, the type three diabetes of Alzheimer's dementia, all that, I certainly don't want to go down that road. I see what that does to a person and they just get kind of lost in that. And it's just so sad. And their families are so sad because, you know, they don't have their loved one that they knew for all those years, right? They're gone. And I don't want to be that kind of burden for my family. You know, we never know what the future is going to bring, but I'm going to try to do everything that I can to prevent that. And so intermittent fasting and the research that you've done and all the things that I've read just lead me to understand that this is what I need to do for my health. Exactly. And that's really the message that I want to get out there. You know, we come for the weight loss, we stick around for the health benefits, even if the weight loss is not what we had hoped and dreamed of. Losing 35 pounds and keeping it off is definitely something. I know you feel better 35 pounds than you did, yes. even though you would like to lose more. But when you really understand the benefits that are associated with intermittent fasting and the health benefits. That's why we keep going. You know, it's interesting. I did a uh, 23 and me as well. Have you ever done 23 and me? Yes, I did do 23 and me. And then I even ran it through a couple of other like third party, like the raw data to get like even more information. What did you get out of 23 and me? Well, it was a little scary because they tell you what you potentially could have in the future and one of the potentials for me was to be diabetic. And oh. no one in my family has ever been diabetic that I'm aware of. I mean, I don't know my real dad, but, you know, my mom's side, no one was ever diabetic or really had any health issues to speak of. Uh, my mom was a heavy smoker for 50 years and had to have some heart stuff. But that was because of her smoking, not because of just some kind of genetic thing. Right. So. To see that on my 23andMe was kind of a, ooh, we got to, I mean, I was already doing intermittent fasting and I already knew my, you know, fasting insulin and my A1C and all that. So I, I felt like I was on a good trajectory, but to see that was a little alarming to know that it is a potential for me if I do not take the right steps to prevent it. So yeah, I've got it. You know, my dad is a type two diabetic and has been for 25 years now. And so I'm right there with you. And both of my grandmothers had dementia when they died. And that was really hard to watch. So I want brain health and metabolic health. And we're fortunate to have learned about this early enough in our lives to have a whole different health future than we were on, you know, our past trajectory, you know. I'm just hoping that all the things that I did before finding you and intermittent fasting is maybe getting cleaned up with that autophagy. Hopefully. I think, I'm sure it has to be. And, you know, you've got those concrete numbers right there with your A1C coming down dramatically, your fasting insulin coming down. 
your Hashimoto's antibodies coming down. You can see, you see evidence of, of good things happening. I do. I do. So maybe someday we'll see the evidence of the rest of the 20 pounds coming up too. <laughs> I know I'm rooting for you. I would like everybody to see the weight loss that they are dreaming of because it, I know it feels really good. The bodies are just so complicated. They really are, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to stop just because of that. And I just, you know, live each day and enjoy the moments that I have and enjoy that my body can still do the things it needs to do to serve my patients and my family and all that. So there's a lot of people when I worked in the hospital, I was shocked, shocked at how debilitated they were at my age and younger. I was like, my, I mean, they couldn't get out of bed. Right. Use a walker. I was like, my goodness, you're like 45 years old. Right. What does this mean for your future? This is terrible. That is a powerful so I, like, I do motivator. not want that. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we have got the tools in our toolbox to live the healthiest life we possibly can. You know, the saying, genetics loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's what I think about, you know, intermittent fasting is that lifestyle that really helps us to live the best life, our genetics and our everything that we possibly can. Well, I'm enjoying it. So thank you so much for all that you've done to teach us and encourage us. And the community is wonderful. I love it. I haven't well, been we, out there since I started my new, oh, new you're job busy. very much. I've been kind of silent, but I've just been so busy. But um, I really do appreciate and it's a good place to go and, and get that encouragement. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I feel like I got the information I needed when I started just because I read the book. And then I just went down that rabbit hole. So just read the book and you know, dive in and give it six months, you know, just try it out six months. I think that you'll stay for a lot longer than that. Take pictures because those do tell a lot. Even if you're not seeing, I, I posted once when I had just gone down like three pounds, but you could really see it in the pictures more than on the scale. So pictures are really important. Do your measurements. I haven't seen a lot of movement in measurements in a while, but that's okay. Still do your measurements because one day you might wake up and you'll have two inches off your waist. And you're like, well, where did that come from? So that's amazing. Do the measurements, take the pictures and don't give up because when you understand those health benefits, then the weight loss is just really secondary at that point. Just knowing that you're going to have a longer, healthier life than what you could have if you were just not doing this and just sticking with all those processed foods, all the Franken foods that are out there trying to stay healthy. That's really, really important. I think that keeping in mind when they look at the research on weight loss and keeping off the weight you've lost, you know, what is it like a tiny percent of people are able to lose 10% of their starting weight and keep it off? Uh-huh. So right. to have lost, you've lost more than, is it like 10% of their weight? Keeping off 10% of your starting weight is like a feat and you've kept off way more than 10% of your starting weight. Right, right. And it's been pretty seamless. Even though I wanted to lose more, I have, it's been seamless to keep off the 35 pounds, really. It's been fairly easy to do that. Now, are there days that I want to just go, you know, eat and just because I want to eat? Yeah, of course. But absolutely. Like, well, maybe I'll just delay. And just delay, delay it, delay it, have it later. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And thank you for the work that you're doing with your hospice patients and their families. And I've loved talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on.
Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.